0: As Isaiah mentioned earlier in the service, uh, we know many, and you may know many who've um, fallen ill or contracted COVID, and one of them is Sam Ferguson, who tested positive uh, earlier this week, and so that's why he can't join us today. And uh, uh, but he's fine and doing well, and looking forward to returning uh, to work soon. Today, we take a short break from our sermon series in the beginning, Genesis 1 through 11. Now, if you have your sermon guide, don't lose it, because we will pick it back up next Sunday when we continue in that series. Instead, today, we're going to consider one of Jesus' appearances to his disciples. This is the passage that Charlie just read from John chapter 21, so if you would turn to that chapter, in the Bible in front of you, it's on page 907. Page 907. As we professed our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed today, we said, He will come again in glory To judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We look forward to that day. But until then, we're here. And we, like the disciples, long for a revelation of Jesus. If you look at that chapter, those first 14 verses, John mentions the word revelation three times. You'll see it twice at the beginning and once at the end of that section. And so the main idea here is that Jesus, the risen Lord, longs to reveal himself to you and to me. While we wait for Jesus, we long for his direction, guidance, and provision. Where are you today? I know many of you, and and I included, are praying about things. Lord, how do I navigate this place in time? How do I finish school well or find the right job or buy a home? How do I care for aging parents or deal with the ache of loneliness? How do I overcome this addiction or reconcile this relationship? For some, how do I save my marriage? How do I solve this financial problem or teach my children the faith? Do these questions sound familiar? We're asking questions of the Lord. And yet, more than we long for these things, though they're important, we long for a revelation of Jesus. Listen to the words of the song we just sang together a moment ago. Let us become more aware of what? Your presence. Your presence, Lord. Why? To be overcome by your presence. I suggest that in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of every one of the questions I just listed, the deepest desire of our heart is to know that Jesus is there, present, in the midst of our circumstances, right where we are. And I think that this passage um, can point us to two things first how does jesus actually pursue us and second how does he reveal himself to us so the pursuit of jesus and the revelation of jesus we cannot make jesus appear at our bidding so i want to be careful and not suggest okay if you pay attention take good notes and follow these three points jesus is going to just appear that's not how it works but we do know from watching and reading this passage that there are three ways at least that Jesus shows up and reveals himself to his disciples and we're going to take a look now before we begin in this passage I want to put it in some context in the chapter prior uh, Jesus has, is, has risen from the dead And he finds the disciples in the upper room. And he says to them, peace, peace be with you. And when he had done this, he showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And he told them, you know, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathed on them. And they received and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, they're in Jerusalem, and they go from there and back north through Judea and Samaria back to Galilee, and that's where they are when the story that Charlie read begins. They're together on the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Sea of Tiberias, and it's probably late afternoon, maybe early evening, and Peter's like, I'm going fishing, and as Charlie said, we'll go with you. So they all get into the boat, they fish all night, and they catch nothing. And, and that's the context. That's where we are in the story. Now before we get, continue on how Jesus reveals himself, let's go and consider how does he pursue them? So let's start with verse 4. Look at verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore... Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Think about that for a minute. It's dawn. The sky is pale and dawning. The sun's coming up over the Sea of Galilee. These guys have been out all night in a boat, fishing, caught nothing. And Jesus is the one standing on the shore. Think about that. The one through whom all creation was made. The one who set the course of the sun that's rising now over the Sea of Galilee. The one who set the boundaries of the sea. The one who commanded the waves and wind. The one who bore the sin of mankind and paid the penalty of death, conquered death and rose from the dead, rose from the grave. That Jesus, that's the one who found his friends, went to look for them in Galilee, met them there. That's the one who in the dawning light of day crouched over a charcoal fire and prepared for them a meal of fish and bread. That's the one who's standing there and says, hey, children, do you have any fish? Before we continue, what does that mean to you and me? I simply suggest that this same Jesus is pursuing you and me, moving toward us and finding us in the early hours of the morning in the kitchen, in late hours in the evening, on our way to work on the metro, in school, in our classroom, at the office, at the grocery store, on a walk in the hospital, Jesus is pursuing you and me. Now, you may not see him. Like the disciples, you may not recognize him. But he's there, wanting to know and invite you and me into fellowship with him. And like the disciples, we don't often have the eyes to see. And we need them. And this is why Paul prays this for the church in Ephesus. Ephesus. If you want to flip in your Bible to Ephesus or write this down, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. What does Paul pray for this church? He asks this, may the Father give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Did you hear that? Revelation. In the knowledge of him, having the eyes of what? your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you paul is praying for that church and in the same way for you and me that god would give us spiritual eyes by his grace we would be able to see that jesus is actually moving toward you and me that he pursues us and then i said pursuit and revelation And then he reveals himself to us. Now, we don't see him every day. There's not this aha moment that happens every moment of every day. But occasionally, through his word, through community, and through mission. His word, his community, and his mission. Jesus makes himself known. So we're going to look at those three things. First, his revelation through his word. Now, you remember on Easter, which we just celebrated, this is the fourth Sunday of Easter, when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb, they saw an angel. And what did the angel tell them? He is what? He is risen. He's risen. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. And listen to this. There you will see him. And they obey his word. In Matthew's gospel, later in that chapter, it reads, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. And Jesus shows up just like he promised. You will see me. And there he is on the shore that afternoon. Peter had said, let's go fishing. They get in the boat. Now, some have said that the disciples going fishing... One author said this, quote, This is aimless activity undertaken in desperation. Another writer said Peter's essentially saying, Well, let's go back fishing. The Lord's gone. It's all over. I don't think so. I think that they actually were waiting for Jesus. That they obeyed his word. They listened to what the women told them. And they traveled back north to Galilee where it all began. Where it all began to wait for Jesus to meet them there. Let's pick up at verse 6. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast it and were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Do you see that in this great catch of fish... 153 large fish. The disciples realize the man standing there on the shore was no ordinary man. Instead, it's the risen Lord. I'd like to make one observation. Though they hear the word, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And they obey, we know that it, they don't know it's Jesus. And yet they do it. And I found this helpful. Listen to what Dale Bruner writes in his commentary on the Gospel of John. John apparently wants his readers to sense there's an uncanny power within Jesus' word. Boy, do you know that? There's an uncanny power within Jesus' word and within our obedience to it. A power that comes even after reasonable hesitations... And gives us the motivation and strength to obey him. Now, I think that you and I know this is true, right? There are times when you think, I think this is the Lord. I believe I've heard his word. I'm not sure, but I'm going to act in faith. I'm going to act and believe as it is. And when we do, oftentimes, though we may not feel it, though we may not see him, We find that after obedience, revelation and understanding follow. One of the men who discipled me told me that and I'll never forget. He said, Steve, obedience comes first. Understanding often comes later. So what does that mean to you and me? The fact that Jesus reveals himself through his word. Well, listen to what Jesus says that you can write this down. This is John chapter 5, verses 39. Verse 39. Jesus told those who were there, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's they that bear witness about me. By God's grace, the canon of the written word of God has been given to us. We didn't come up with this. God ordained it and chose that the written word would be given to us to reveal the living word of God. And so by his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, the written word reveals Jesus. That's why we hear it, we study it, we read it, we memorize it, meditate on it. Now, I know that many of you have a, like me or others, have a daily devotional or a gospel reading, a Bible reading plan. And uh, maybe it's pray as you go or many of the other devotionals. And, you know, it's a great little way, a, a spiritual discipline to read the word regularly. But I would suggest that sometimes, sometimes we just need to hit pause. When that feels dry or rote or you finish your devotional and you're like, man, I have no idea what I just read. There's a time to just stop. And find a little passage in the word. Maybe a short passage. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Listen and ask the Lord. Why is this here? What is it that you want to reveal to me? How is it that it reveals Jesus to me? I'll tell you. I've been kind of sitting with this passage for about several weeks. And thinking about, well Lord... Why is this in here? I mean, is it just a beautiful little story? Why did you include this in your word? And I I would read it. I'd think about it. I'd try to imagine it. I'd picture myself there. And I noticed this one verse bugged me. Look at verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. I mean, two others? Like, could John not remember who was in the boat? Were they just the B team? Like, you know, here's the, here's the real guys. But these other two were there. Then I started to think about it. Well, what if I were one of those guys? And I pictured myself thinking, you know, John's gospel comes out years later and I'm an old man by now and I'm sitting among my church community, my faith community where someone's reading John's gospel. I'm thinking gosh this is amazing and and they get to this chapter and they're reading it and I'm picturing oh my gosh I remember that afternoon I remember that we were there and Peter wanted to go fishing and they're reading the names right? Peter, Nathaniel, uh, 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 the sons of Zebedee and Thomas and two others of his disciples. What? I'd go, wait, no, that was me. I was there. I was there that morning. But it's, read that again. Read that part again. And two others. And I remembered and I thought, you know, what did it feel like for that person? And then later as I reflected on this, and, it, and I thought about how important that seemed to me. I felt that nudging. Do you ever feel that nudge? And you think, Am I, is this just a thought or something on my mind? Or, or could this be the Lord? And I thought, yeah, this could be the Lord. And so I kind of sat with it for a minute. And I pictured if I were sitting there with Jesus. And I saw, felt like he would look at me and smile and say, You know, is it not enough that I found you on the shore? That I made breakfast for you and invited you to come and be with me? That we had an amazing time together on the shore? Or do you need everyone to know that you were there? What really matters? And as I thought about that, I was so thankful that the word just lists two other disciples. Because I'm one of those. My name won't be in the canon. But what matters most is that Jesus. That I, at the end of our days, that we've been with Jesus. That will matter more than anything else. We um, sang, as I mentioned, those words. Your presence, Lord. Lord. And so the word actually came alive to me. And I felt like Jesus was speaking to me in just a little way, not a big thing. But I think as we sit and meditate and let the word seep into the way we see and think, speak, and act, we get transformed by it and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first way he reveals himself, through his word. The disciples obeyed his word to go to Galilee. They obeyed his word to cast the net on the right side. And Jesus revealed himself to us. And that's true for us as we obey the Lord. The second is that through community. Now look again at the end of verse 2. The disciples, Simon Peter and the two others of the disciples were together. They stuck together. Jesus, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they say, well, we're going to go with you. And they stuck together. Now Jesus had told them in John uh, chapter 15. If you keep my commandments you'll abide in my love. Remain. Remember the word abide means remain. If you keep my commandments you'll abide in my love. And this is my commandment. That you love one another as I've loved you. So by loving one another. Sticking together. These men are abiding in Jesus' love. And third, one of them is the one who points Jesus out to the others. There's seven in the boat, but when they see the catch of fish, they they didn't all have this aha moment. John points out, or the beloved disciple, points out and says to Peter, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And of course, Peter jumps in. When we get a revelation of Jesus, we jump in. And look at verse 9. They saw, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And then in verse 12, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, well, who are you? They all knew it was the Lord in the breaking of the bread. This was true of the two disciples who traveled to Emmaus. When Jesus joined them and they stopped with them and broke the bread. As that happened, they saw who it was that was with them, Jesus. And so Jesus not only shows up in their community, but invites them into community. Come, have breakfast with me. What does that mean to you and me? Well, stick together. Stay together. Find a small group of friends. Those that you know, love, and trust. Those whom you will know, love, and serve deliberately and intentionally. And create a safe place for you to just be real and authentic with your faith. We long to be in community where we're fully known and fully loved. And boy, it's messy. And we mess up. But the truth is... By the grace of God, if we could just, I'm going with you. Okay, can I go? I'm going with you. God reveals himself to us in community. And listen to what Peter says about that. Listen for the one another's in Peter's letter. He writes in 1 Peter 4, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling and as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of god's grace we get to do that for each other and by his grace we have the privilege of pointing him out to the other are you here because someone a member of your family a father or mother A young life leader, a coach in college, a pastor, a youth group leader, someone in your small group pointed you... There he is. There's Jesus. See him? That's our reality, friends. When we prayed before this service earlier on, we were praying, Lord, help us not get in the way of your revelation of yourself as the risen Lord. When we see... John the Baptist pointed to Jesus. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. And we have the privilege by his grace of when we get a glimpse of him pointing others to Jesus. And finally, he's revealed through his word, through his community, and through his mission. You may remember that when Sam started the sermon series on Everyday Disciple, he started with Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Are you familiar with that passage? Jesus is in the same place. He's on the shore, and there it's called the shore of the Lake Gennesaret. And he saw, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. And he saw there two boats on the shore, and he got into one, the one belonging to Peter. And you remember what happened. He tells Peter to put out a little ways from the shore and let down your nets for a catch and when Peter sees the catch that was going to sink the boat he falls to his knees and he says what depart from me lord Peterson translates it because i can't take all this holiness to be overcome by your presence lord that was at the beginning and now Jesus has brought it full circle and at the beginning They left their nets and followed him because he told them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And now it's time to bring that full circle. After this, he will reinstate Peter. You know that familiar passage where he walks with Peter on the beach. He will commission the disciples in Galilee, on a mountaintop in Galilee, and he will give them the great commission. And then they will return to jerusalem to celebrate the feast of weeks and on the day of pentecost you remember the holy spirit comes down and a great multitude a great catch gather and they hear the word of god and acts two thirty seven says they are cut to the heart and they say brothers what shall we do and peter does what the disciples did in this story He brings them to Jesus. Listen to what he said. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received the Lord were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. We go from 153 large fish To 3,000 souls, they had truly become fishers of men. What does this mean to you and me? Do you want a revelation of Jesus? Put yourself between the God who is love and the loss, pain, and suffering of a fallen and broken world. Put yourself between the one who's pursuing your next door neighbor your classmate your colleague at work that member of your family the people in our community Jesus is there moving toward them just like he moves towards you and me Jesus is there moving toward the alien the homeless and the hungry the imprisoned the orphan the sick and the widow Jesus is there moving toward the people here where we worship And when you follow him into that place that may feel unfamiliar to you, that may feel a bit uncomfortable, that may feel a bit overwhelming, Lord, I don't know what to do. This is so overwhelming. I feel so out of place. When you're at the place where you may find that the only thing you can do and the greatest thing you can do is pray and simply be present. Jesus will reveal himself in ways that you didn't expect in moments so beautiful, intimate, and personal that it pierces your heart. We followed Jesus to Falls Church High School about five years ago. Kristen Cunningham, the director of ESOL, that's English for Speakers of Other Languages, accepted our offer simply to help help her and her teachers in the classroom Now you may not know, but Falls Church High School has about 400 ESOL students. Many of them have fled corruption, extortion, violence. Some have witnessed members of their family murdered. Some have had no education. Others have had a little education. Many suffer from food insecurities and many others are not only trying to learn English, but also holding down jobs to help feed their families. And so we've gone and we've just tried to help. We've shown up in the classroom. We've been provided one-on-one mentoring. We've provided gifts for our seniors who didn't have enough money to pay for a graduation gown or a graduation gift. We've provided food and hygiene products. We've uh, helped students ESOL students who might feel qualified or be qualified to attend college to fill out applications and to prepare to see if they might actually get into college. And we've referred students to Vita Hoven, Young Life's Spanish-speaking club there at Falls Church High School that's hosted and sponsored by um, City Lights Church. And I asked Kristen if she could just give me two or three sentences about their experience. Oh, we also sent students to Young Life's Spanish summer camp and Roxana Vaquero, uh, a volunteer told me, "Steve, it was so great to be able to tell students, "Don't worry, don't worry if you can't afford the ticket, the price of camp. The church is offered to pay for you." And the relief that they felt, Kristen wrote me this: "Your assistance allows these students to receive extra attention. They know that an additional adult is invested in their success and it helps keep them in school. Thanks to your help, we have at least eight ESOL students who now have plans to attend NOVA in the fall, five of whom have received scholarships already. And some of our seniors from two years ago are still in touch with the volunteer who helped them, so lasting relationships are formed. This year, you've graced graciously provided hygiene products to families who are arriving and the last couple of years have been the most challenging ever for teachers. We have many teachers among us who have struggled and worked hard to provide for their students. So we appreciate all the ways that you've reached out to honor them through gifts cards and cookies. Thank you for being such a loving kind neighbor who is always ready to serve in a multitude of ways, please know that all you do truly makes our school and community a better place. Do you want a revelation of Jesus? Ask some of those who volunteered at Falls Church High School or For the Nations or our ESOL program or the Wilson Multicultural Center or Homestretch and you will hear story after story of Jesus showing up on the shore Jesus being present Jesus inviting people to himself today Jesus pursues us and finds us and although like his disciples we don't often recognize him because we don't often see things as they really are he reveals himself to us through his word through his community and through his mission and so together let me pray for us Lord God, we long for, to be overwhelmed by your presence, to sense that you not only see us and know us, but that you're actually moving toward us, that you are continuing the good work you began in us and you're forming us into your likeness, that you, Lord, are reveal, long to reveal yourself to us through your word, through community, through ministry and mission, and more through worship, and that, Lord, when we get a glimpse of you, everything else begins to pale in comparison. And we know that the most important thing is that we've sat and been in your presence. Your presence, Lord. Grant us by the grace, your mercy and grace, that opportunity. And help us to be a people who reflect your glory to the world.